him better. There's so many facets of God and the Holy Spirit that we are not yet acquainted with. So as I was praying about this service, this phrase just came up in my spirit. How well do you know him? Uh, you know, I, I'm sure that you have been asked that question concerning somebody, a person maybe. Someone's come up to you and wanted to know, how well do you know that person? Or I know in our position that quite often people will want us to give a, a referral, a reference, a, uh, what do they call them, recommendation. And sometimes on the questionnaires that they give you, there'll be questions on there like, uh, well, explain your acquaintance. Is it casual? Is it close? Is it distant? And as I was thinking about that, I was wondering how um, people would describe their relationship with the Lord. How well do you know Him? Is it casual? Is it an occasional visit that you drop by to church every once in a while? Is it a distant relationship? Well, I've confessed him as my Lord and Savior, but I've never really come into close fellowship with him. I don't really know him that well. Or is the answer, and this is the right answer, how well do you know the Lord? Our answer ought to be, well, I'm closely and intimately acquainted with him but he is all that my heart yearns for so my craving is to know him more and more the best way that you get to know a person is to spend time with them that's one of the the dangers, I think, in long-distance relationships. And, you know, if you, if you married your mate and you didn't really have a long courting, that will really date me. A courting time. Well, that's good. I mean, that's fine if you all are happily married. But that's a danger, I think, in today's society, that people meet on the Internet. And they have these long-distance relationships. They don't have face-to-face time. You know, you can't really get to know somebody unless you spend time with them. Seeing maybe a profile on the internet. And you know, young people that are in here, a word of caution there. I mean, people can give you, they can put a fake picture, a fake ID, a fake profile, a fake job, a fake whatever. All sorts of stuff on there and not be of the real deal. If you want to know somebody, spend some face-to-face time with them, talking, looking into their eyes, looking into the depths of their soul and find out what they're really all about. Amen? Well, if that's important in developing a friendship or a, a dating relationship, how much more so is it, in, is it vital and important that we have face-to-face time with the Lord Jesus, that we desire to know Him more fully? Let's start tonight by looking in the Word of God over in Psalms chapter 25. We'll begin there. In verse 4 and 5, I want to read that out of the Amplified. I just love the book of Psalms. 
It's important, I think, that if you're ever feeling down or whatever, you just want to worship the Lord. I think I said that a couple of Sunday nights ago. As you're learning to worship Him and express your love for Him, if you're having difficulty finding words to do so, other than praying in the Spirit, go and find one of the books in Psalms where David poured out his heart in admiration, where David magnified the Lord. God called him a man after his own heart. Why? Because he knew God. He worshiped God. He was quick to repent. But man, he had, he had a way of expressing how much God meant to him. And you can just hear his heart's craving in this passage of scripture. He says, show me your ways. Oh Lord, teach me your path. Guide me in the truth and faithfulness and teach me For you are the God of my salvation. And then I love this. For you, you only, and all together, do I wait and expectantly all the day long. You only. There should be no one else that takes a place due to God in our lives. There should be nothing else that is a greater priority than you and you only. You all together, God, are my heart's desire. You are the one that I will wait upon. You are the one and the only one that can show me the ways that I should walk in. That can reveal to me the truth of your word. That can direct my path. That was David's heart cry. And that ought to be ours as well. A hunger to know him and then the broseta and growing and a desire to grow in knowing him is required to wait. Now that word wait there where he said, I'm going to wait on you, Lord, all the day long is an interesting word. This word here literally means this to bind together through a process of intertwining. To bind together through a process of intertwining. David was saying, I am going to get so close to you, God, that when I'm waiting upon you, I'm going to be so bound together with you and intertwined with you that my ways are going to be your ways. Your thoughts are going to be my thoughts. I'm going to touch your heart, Lord. That's why he's saying, show me your way. He said, I'm going to wait until we are just, you know, what's that old song? Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. That's a good thing. We don't want to be wrapped up and tied up and tangled up in bondage. But it's a good thing to be wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, intertwined with him to the degree that people, when they look at us, they say, Hey, you look like, you sound like, you act like Jesus. I can't tell the difference. That's what it means that we are so wrapped up in Him and so intertwined that His nature and His character and who He is.
is just become so much a part of us that people see Jesus in us. That's what David was praying for. That's what we can have. This is a good thing. It's not bondage. It's true freedom to lose our self-identity, to get rid of selfie. I don't even know what that is, but I see it all over the place now. This is my selfie. Well, selfie really probably should die. (laughs) Selfie needs to be crucified. It's not about selfie. It's about him. It's a good thing to lose self. To die to self and to find ourselves in Him. In Him we live and move and have our being. Of course, He wants you to be the best person that you can be. And you don't have to give up your personality and all the giftings and all of that stuff. But it's not a good idea to say, I'm a self-made man. We are Christ-made people. We are made alive in Him. We are new creations in Him. In Him is the source of all that we are. And as I saw that definition of weight intertwined, Immediately I thought of this scripture in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3 and verse, Colossians chapter 3 I believe it is, 2 and 3 verses. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you've died and your life is hidden in Christ. Woo! Are you glad that you are hidden in Christ? That you are wrapped up, tied up? Tangled up in Jesus. That you are in the cleft of the rock. You are in a place. You are under the shadow of the wing of the Most High God. You are under His hand of protection. Glory be to God. My life is hid in Christ. I am protected. I am sustained. I have peace. I have joy. He meets all of my needs. I'm in Him. And He's in me. Such a deal. I'm in Him. And He is in me. I'm my beloved's. And He is mine. What was that little Sunday school song? His banner over me is love. Isn't it good just to know that you are loved by the Most High God? That He loves you so much. That He cares for you so much. He wants us to know Him that way. He wants us to be acquainted with how much He cares for us. He wants us to just come to Him and let Him just wrap His loving arms around us. Just stand up here again, sister. There's just a strong anointing right now. He wants us just to come and just embrace us and just be engulfed in His love. Just to be held close by Him. Woo! He's in you, honey. He's in you. He's on you. He's all around you. Woo! Hallelujah. Ha, 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 ha. Woo! Hallelujah. 
for him. Hallelujah. That's why David said it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear any evil. Though I walk through a time where one of my loved ones has stepped on over, that body has died, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. My life is hid in you. He wants us to have a deeper revelation of that. To know I am His. And He is mine. There's a beautiful account over in the Old Testament of Moses. Moses requested of God that he would know Him. That he would see His glory. Over in Exodus chapter 33... And we'll begin reading at verse 13. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. Aren't you glad that we're under grace? Moses was saying, Lord God, if I found grace, show me your way. How are we saved? We're saved by grace. So we've already found grace and we've already got the promise in and he will show us his way. Show me now your way that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. The next verse. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to me, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Have you ever said that to the Lord? Okay, Lord, I'm I'm sensing I'm not supposed to be doing this, but all of a sudden there's no anointing. Don't move. Don't do it. Pastor talked about it this morning. Don't go if there's not any grace and there's not any anointing. Wait in the ark. Stay in that place of refuge. Stay in that place of safety until you have that witness that it's time to go. Moses had that attitude. If your presence and your anointing is not going with us, we're not going anywhere. We're staying put. He had realized, even though God anointed him and God called him for an office and a, and a position to bring the children of Israel out of bondage and out of Egypt, he had already, he had determined, he had recognized, this ain't me. I'm not doing this. It's God's grace and God's anointing on me. And I'm not taking another step unless he leads me and he guides me. That's a good place to be. Now let's read on here. If your presence does go with us, we're not leaving here. From, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So, shall, so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. That's a good thing, isn't it? To be known by God. 
Moses, he had received God's promises. He had seen God's power. He had been guaranteed God's presence. The promise, go lead the people out. I'll be with you. The power, he had seen the plagues come upon the nation of Egypt. He'd seen the Red Sea parted, miracle after miracle. And now God is saying to him, I will go with you. You will know my presence. But you know what? That wasn't even enough for Moses. He goes on and he says, God, it's awesome. I've had your promise. I've seen your power. You're promising your presence, but I want to know you. I want to know the person that you, of who you are. We can see that in verse 18. And he said, please show me your glory. Moses had this passionate plea to see God's Glory. It's one of the most intimate encounters between man and God ever recorded. Moses wanted more of the knowledge of God himself. And you know, God didn't get upset with him. God was pleased. I got to get over there because I don't think I, I didn't copy out these verses. We're in Exodus chapter 33. God was pleased. And you can see it down there in verse 20 through 23 where they have this conversation. And God says to him, okay, you have asked to see me. And then he tells him, no one can see my face and live. But he wasn't angry with him. So he says, this is what I'm going to do, Moses. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. And I'm going to put my hand over you. The hand of the Lord was on Moses for good. And the hand of the Lord is on us for good. Who God's hand is upon is blessed and blessed abundantly. You cannot curse whom God has blessed. People have tried and people will rise up and do ugly things. But the hand of the Lord always brings a blessing. And you are safe and you are protected under the hand of the Lord. And you know what else God said? Whoever humbles himself under the mighty hand of God, what's he going to do? He will exalt you. He will exalt you. Even the most secret even when Mankind, even when even when systems, even when maybe something on the job tries to push you down, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you. He will raise you up. It's good to be under the hand of the Lord. So God said, I'm going to put my hand over you, Moses. And I'm going to pass by. And then I'll lift my hand up. And you can just look at my back. You can't see my face. But God showed him himself because of that hunger in Moses' heart to see God. Do you want to see God? I mean, you know, we're not not crying out, Lord, show me your face. I want to see you. But we want to see him in manifestation. We want to see him through getting more acquainted to him, with him, through 
the word of the Lord. His request was granted because God saw his heart. And he said, yes, I'll show you. Yes, I'll put my hand upon you for good and not for evil. Amen? Hallelujah. Another question. How well do you know him? There's a blessing for those that seek to know the Lord better. There's a blessing for those who crave and hunger him above anything else. I love this scripture found in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. Let's turn over there. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Verse 23, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. What are we supposed to glory in? The next verse. Oh, hallelujah. But let him who glories glory in this. That he understands and he knows me. That I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Everybody say, that's me. me. I glory glory. in the fact that I know him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when you know him, you know he loves you. When you know him, you know that he's redeemed you from the curse of the law. You know he wants to bless you. You know he's your healer. You know he's your protector. You know he's your peace. You know he is your joy. That's what we glory in. We don't glory in wisdom that is in this world. The world says this. The world standards actually have three criteria that they rate, they rate success on. First of all, the world says wisdom. Wisdom. You are successful if you have insight into how to influence others. You are successful if you have a great education. And we're not against education. That's awesome. And we should do that. We should pursue education. But getting a college degree or getting a doctorate is not where our faith is in. It's not in getting wisdom from the ages of this world. The second thing that the world says is a criteria for success is power. Oh man, if you have power, If you can strategize and you can get yourself in position of management and if you have keys to every door in the place and you get to boss people around, you got natural power, you're really something. And you are a success. But that's not what God says. He said, don't glory in that. Don't glory in positions that man may elevate you to. Thank God for promotion. And promotion doesn't come. It doesn't come from the east or the west. Promotion comes from God. And when he does promote you on your job, give him glory. Glory. 
But don't strut around like a banny rooster. Aren't I something? I got all the keys. I get to boss everybody around. I got the biggest office. No. Don't glory in that stuff. The third thing that the world says is a key to success is wealth. Your attitude is accumulate all the resources that you can. And then that means that you are successful. But that's not what God says. God said, don't glory in man's wisdom. Don't glory that you're a mighty man and in your own might. Don't glory in riches, but glory in the fact that you know and you understand me. I know I'm preaching to the right group of people tonight. I know for sure that every one of us in this place, we would say all glory goes to Him. All honor goes to Him. I take no glory of myself even to be able to stand up here and deliver the Word. I know that it's Him and all honor and all glory goes to Him. Whatever giftings He has given you, whatever abilities that you have on the inside of you, whatever job and position you may have, don't think that it was your own ability. Don't think that it's your own ingenuity. All that we are, all that we have it came from him and he deserves all the glory he deserves all the honor keep your eye on him keep your heart and your motives right to bring him honor in all that you say and all that you do let not man glory in his wealth let him not glory in his might or his own wisdom oh it's you Lord Jesus it's all about you all glory all honor goes to him when we humbly acknowledge that we realize it's because of him It's because of my communion with Him. It's because of encounters with the Holy Ghost. It's because of revelation in His Word that I'm able to walk this path that He's put before me. That I'm able to do what He has asked me to do. I can do all things Through my own thinking. No, that's not what the Bible says. I can do all things because I work out at the gym and I'm really strong. No, I can do all things through Christ. Through Christ who strengthens me. The Amplified says who infuses me. Who infuses me with his ability. God wants you to know, yes, you've got the ability. You've got gifts. You've got talents. But give Him the glory for them. 
when we look back to him and give him the glory and the honor and the praise, he'll open more doors for us. He'll give us favor. We got favor with God and with man. We claim all of these things. And when the favor shows up, don't think it was by coincidence. And when the favor shows up, don't think it's because of something that you did. We need to acknowledge him in all of our ways. Acknowledge him. Be thankful. Be grateful. Hallelujah. Give him all the glory. Let's do it right now. Lord, we give you the glory in this place. Oh, we honor you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. Glory be to God that you are our ability. You are our source. Ha ha. And we desire to know you even better. We desire to grow in your ways. Amen. Hallelujah. Now the Apostle Paul, you can't talk about knowing the Lord without looking at these passages of Scripture. The Apostle Paul had this same revelation of the value of knowing God. We were at uh, ladies' prayer on Wednesday, and this verse just, it was like it just kept leaping up in my heart. And I just know I'm supposed to share it tonight. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, and we're going to look at these from the Amplified. Hallelujah. Everybody still here? For my determined purpose. Is that your determined purpose? This really ought to be all of our prayers right here. We ought to say the same thing that the Apostle Paul said. For my determined purpose is that I may know Him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. If you have an intimate relationship with somebody, that means it's a one-on-one with your spouse, with your husband, with your wife. And God is saying, that's what kind of relationship I want with you. A one-on-one. Intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving Recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person. You may have been saved for 80 years, but there's still more. There's still more wonders. There's still more facets of our Lord Jesus that you haven't tapped into yet. Isn't that awesome about him? More strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share in his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope. Is that the end of that? In the hope. All right. And then the next verse. That if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection 
that lifts me out from among the dead, even in the body. Now, if you have a spirit-filled Bible, this is so awesome. The notes, footnotes on this. So I'm just going to read it to y'all. Y'all got your ears on? Listen to this. This passage sums up Paul's primary pursuit in life. And that was to know Christ. From a prison cell in Rome, Paul pens this personal letter in which he comes to terms with an accomplished past and a confining present. He was in prison when he wrote this. After he had the, you know, he had this wonderful past of being a scholar, being a religious leader of his day, but he also had the past of persecuting and killing Christians. After his past as a persecutor of God's people, and then through his superior religious activities as a Pharisee, Paul came to this liberating conclusion. You know, this will liberate you if you come to this same conclusion. This will liberate you. And this, that was this, that all of this, all of his accomplishments were rubbish, 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 garbage compared to knowing the Lord. He was freed from the stagnation of yesterday's victories and from the emotional paralysis of yesterday's mistakes. He had both. He had great victories. He had great education, great social status, but he also had haunting, haunting, horrible defeats of persecuting and killing Christians. I love how it says that. He was freed from the stagnation of yesterday's victories and the emotional paralysis of yesterday's mistakes. Paul knew that the only thing that ultimately counted was knowing the Lord and being obedient to His will. Hallelujah. That's why he said, it's my determined purpose to know him. And then he goes on in verse 12, and we'll just read that for time's sake here. Not that I have already attained or aim already perfect, perfected, but I press on. There's a press to knowing God. There's a press to walking in victory. There's a press to forgetting the past, good or bad. It's a press. And then he says, but I'm going to press on and I am going to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. There's that revelation again. I'm in him. And he's in me. I laid hold of him, but he laid hold of me. And his grip don't slip. 
He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got a high calling for my life, and I'm going to press into it. Amen? I'm going to lay hold of it. And then he goes on, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Keep on pressing. It's a choice to forget the past. It's a choice to get over your mistakes and your failures. It's a choice to say, I'm coming out of that addiction. I'm leaving the land of lack. Pastor preached an awesome message this morning. Never more is a choice. Never more am I going to be in bondage. Never more am I going to let that person abuse me. Never more am I going to be broke, busted, and disgusted. Never more am I going to be sick. That's what Paul was saying. I am choosing. I chose to press, to lay hold, to grab it. In the Amplified, it says to grasp. And to make my own what God has intended for me. Oh, by the Spirit of God, I'm hearing this right now in my heart. You are not defined by what people have said about you. You are not defined by past mistakes and past failures. Your future is bright in me. Let it go. Let it drop. Don't enter into that arena of reasoning and strife and questioning. Let go of that. Just dumbroseta. It's in the past. Let go and reach forward to your bright future. You cannot reach forth to your bright future if you're looking back here and hanging on to something back there. Let it go and with both hands grasp and make it your own. Woo! The calling and the future that He has for you. You might think that you've had a colorful, awful past, but think about all that the Apostle Paul had to let go. And then think about this, all that he did for Christ. He had an amazing legacy and lineup here. He had raised people from the dead. He had opened the eyes of the blind. He had cast out demons. He had written more of the epistles than all of the other men of God together, most of them from prison. And yet he said, I want to know him more. It's my determined purpose. In verse 10, and just in like in the New King James and the King James, this is what went off in my heart on Wednesday. He said that I may know him and the power. And the power of his resurrection. Get this in your heart. Calvary expresses the love of God. But the resurrection explains the power of God. And that's what he was saying. 
I want to know more about his love. I know his love at the cross, at the cross, where I first, what is that, saw the light. And the burdens of my heart rolled away. He said, I know the cross. But there's more to know. The cross expresses his love. Thank God for the cross. But the power of his resurrection. Glory be to God. Woo! The resurrection explains the power of God. And he wants to display both to us. The power of his resurrection. Closing tonight. How well do you know him? Have you come to the cross? Have you met him as your Lord and Savior? Is your heart determined like the Apostle Paul's to know him greater? Have you experienced the resurrection power? You know that power I'm talking about. The power that raises people at dead bodies. The power that breaks the power of disease over bodies. The power that restores broken relationships. The power that breathes life into dead dreams. The power that quickens our finances. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Let's all stand.